Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the Swears and Does Hair podcast. I'm Sue, your host, and today we are going to be talking about maternity leave. Now, this isn't something that I've had to deal with in a long time. My kids are teenagers now, but it is something that people want to be taking into consideration when it comes to planning out their year and planning out their families. So I've seen the effect that different approaches to um, maternity leave have taken on businesses, and I wanted to kind of chat with everybody today about... um, what I think is a healthy approach to managing your maternity leave. And now I'm not talking just about, you know, how much time should you take and all those type of things, because that's going to be completely different for everybody. It's going to depend entirely on your family situation, how much support you have from your partner from the rest of your family, um, you know, whether or not you have children at home already, their age, what else you do for work, because this isn't everybody's full-time job. So how much time you take and how long you continue to work up to is really going to come down to personal choice. There's no one correct way to do it. There's no one right answer. So for anybody who's wondering, that's not what I'm talking about today. Um, Although I do highly recommend not working up until the very last second as somebody who has gone through and done that before. Uh, With my second born, I worked up until uh, about two weeks before I gave birth. And that was definitely Uh, very exhausting. So even though it was my second and I was in my mid-20s, so I was, you know, young and healthy and way more energetic at that point in my life, um, I still think that I probably, if I could go back and do it again, I would have taken off a little bit more than two weeks. Also, I will say that my bride was incredibly, incredibly stressed the entire time for like the last two or three months of my pregnancy. She was constantly sending me emails, um, checking in with other vendors and being like, hey, so uh, has Suzanne had her baby? How's Suzanne's pregnancy doing? Is she going to show up on my wedding day? Because at that point, I was just a makeup artist, and one of my friends, Devin, was doing the hair for that bride. And she was like, yo, this bride keeps asking me how your pregnancy is going and how everything is doing. She's really worried you're going to bail on her for um, her wedding. So um, that's something to definitely take into consideration. Um, Brides who have not had children before, uh, brides who have not experienced pregnancy for themselves tend to be a little less empathetic 
um, than people who have experienced pregnancy themselves. Um, And you have to kind of think about it from their perspective. Put yourself in their shoes for a few minutes and say, okay, this is a really important day in my life and I'm spending a lot of money. I want to make sure that things are going to go off exactly as I planned, that we're not going to have any last minute substitutions, et cetera, et cetera. Because yes, anything can happen at any point. You could get sick, you could break your arm, you could get in a car accident on the way there. There's always these outside factors that we cannot control. However, even though you can't quote unquote control getting pregnant, you know, it happens when it happens for a lot of people, um, you know, you can control at what point you say this is too close. So I'm not talking about like, hey, if something happens and goes wrong with your pregnancy, because that can really you know, not to scare anyone, but that can happen anytime. You know, you could be six months along and still be planning on working for another month or two and then be put on bed rest. You know, you we, we can't control those type of things. And um, those are types of situations where it's like, okay, this is not how, how pregnancies traditionally go. This is not how things normally go. They'll be a little bit more willing to be like, okay, this, this isn't your fault. But if you say, I'm going to work up until two weeks before my, my due date or my wedding, and then two or three weeks later, excuse me, two or three weeks beforehand, when you're still supposed to be working, you know, there's still a, a pretty good chance that you could go into labor. Um, you know, anything after I think it's like 34 weeks um, is still considered full term. You know, it's not like it's a huge deal, so to speak. If that happens, it's not completely uncommon. You know, it's not as common for people to go into to preterm labor, you know, well before that. So um, if you are trying to figure out how far along you want to work, talk with your doctors. Um, I'm always going to refer, go back to your doctors and, and see how things are going but I would probably recommend not having things planned super far in advance where somebody booked you six months ago um, or more and they're expecting you to be working and then you're not really giving yourself too much of an opportunity um, if something goes wrong, you know, so... I would say, you know, if you're in the beginning stages and you know, say you're due in like June, maybe not put anything on the books for, you know, May. Give yourself like four weeks or so of, hey, if I'm still feeling good and um, everything's going according to plan, I can pick up some last minute things closer to, or you can be a backup, you can be a, you know, an assistant for somebody, something along those lines. So you still have a little bit of income coming in, but you're not like, well, I have to be working, um, throughout the entire month of May, because that can get really stressful as well for you. Um, and stress during pregnancy is not a great thing. So as a bride, I'd be really concerned if, you know, you were like, oh yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. And it's within a month of your due date. You know, I'd kind of be like, well, what are the actual chances that you are going to be the one that shows up on my wedding day? So kind of keep those type of things in mind. Um, But, you know, 
it's just an additional consideration because a lot of people will be like, oh, no, no, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. And they don't want to think, okay, well, worst case scenario, what could happen? Now, taking it a little bit further into that whole worst case scenario, what could happen when you are planning for a maternity leave? You should have backups in place to cover that last four to six weeks or so and just have a backup plan um, in place beforehand. Let's not wait until we get to the six-week mark and say, okay, well, now I need a backup just in case. The sooner you know, the better. You know, you have nine, ten months technically, depending on how far, you know, into your pregnancy you figure out that you're pregnant. You know, you have a pretty a pretty long runway for that whole planning process of being like, okay, well, you know, it's just simple math. Here's what my due date is. All right, these last four to six weeks, I need to either scale back my plans for how much I'm going to work, or I need to make sure that everything that I have on my calendar has a backup in place. And that that bride is thoroughly communicated with. So how do you communicate these type of things with your bride? I definitely recommend both a phone call and an email. Anytime you have a conversation with a bride over the phone, it's a good rule of thumb to make sure that you follow up with what was discussed afterwards in an email so you have clear communication in writing. All right. And that way, if they misunderstood anything you said, because it wasn't um, either it wasn't communicated effectively or they just really weren't listening and hearing what you were saying, you want to make sure that it's kind of like literally there in black and white and they can go back and be like, oh, well, when she said that she'll have a backup in place, this is what she meant by that. You know, they might not always be taking notes or writing down or they might lose those kinds of things. So if you say, okay, um, here is who is going to be my backup on the day of, they're already, they're already planning, you know, we've already got that taken care of. Here is the date that we'll be making a final call on and, you know, this is the, my policy, this is my procedure xyz they can go back and be like okay she said that okay she's due june 30th my wedding is june 1st uh by may 20th she will make the call about whether or not the backup will be stepping in for her or um you know she will be she's feeling good and she will be doing it barring any last minute emergencies. So having that all kind of written and laid out, they can go back to the email and they have clear communication. That way it sets the expectation and they know what to expect. When I had this bride and I was working, her wedding was like two, three weeks, something like that before um, I, I ended up having my baby and he came six days early. So he was almost a full week early, you know, so it was, I can't remember if exactly her wedding was two weeks before he was born. Um, or if her wedding was three weeks before my 
due date. So it ended up being, I think it, it ended up still ended up being like two weeks before he was born. So um, I was very, very pregnant at that time. And I completely understand her level of concern about whether or not I was going to show up because I was a very new artist at the time too. And it was kind of like, well, let's just all hope. And if I can't, then, you know, I'll give you a refund. Like that really wasn't very satisfactory to her. And, um, you know, but at that time that was really all I could do for her was, you know, come hell or high water, as long as I'm not in the hospital giving birth, I'm going to be at your wedding. I'm going to do it. So, um, having the communication with her beforehand and saying, okay, you know, here is my backup plan. Um, and making sure that you have in your, um, contract as well. It's not just having a conversation with people and then putting it into writing in an email. That's not necessarily enough to protect you as well. You should make sure that there is something, there's some kind of language in your contract to protect you in case you have to substitute an artist, especially if you're a solopreneur and you don't have a team. Um, My contract language uh, after that was changed to say that I I have the right to substitute an artist of equal skill. And then the bride can make the determination on whether or not they will accept that new artist or they will cancel the contract. And then my standard cancellation policy um, would apply as if they were just saying they were canceling for whatever reason. So um, making sure that you're protected with your contract as well for artist substitution definitely is something that, you know, if you're having a conversation with the bride and she's like, well, what if I don't like the person that you put in place anyways, you can be like, well, per your contract, I reserve the right to substitute somebody that I think can perform and you can choose to say no and find somebody else. But then you know, X, Y, Z will follow. So if you're, if that's something that you don't have in your contract, just in general, in case you get COVID or break an arm or get in a car accident or any of these other things where something could happen, that's not necessarily a force majeure, um, where it's like, okay, you know, with a standard force majeure, uh, clause outside act of God kind of clause, you can't fulfill your obligations, then nobody else is held liable. You're able to cancel the contract, okay, and not be held liable. You have to give a refund of remaining balances, however you have yours worded, um, but also having an additional verbiage in there about substitution where you'll still work, okay, if you can't do it, but you can find somebody else to fill in for you, what rights does the bride have to accept that substitution, deny that substitution? How does that affect the rest of the contract? So um, maternity leave and pregnancy is definitely something um, that falls kind of within that um, and making sure that you're, you're protected. So open communication with your bride about expectations, following it up, in writing and then making sure that your contract protects you are all these kinds of things that you need to keep in mind when it comes to, well, how am I going to handle working during my pregnancy? So it's not necessarily so much about maternity leave per se as working 
while pregnant and you know what are your expectations for how that's going to go and what is your client's expectations now when it comes to maternity leave or making announcements and saying I will or will not be working during these dates I see a lot of people that you know as soon as they're pregnant they'll kind of make the announcement and they don't necessarily will have conversations with their brides first. That's something that I would caution against. I would say it's great to make an announcement online, however far into your pregnancy you're comfortable making that, you know, whether it's at the beginning or you're waiting into your second trimester or whatever, whatever is you're comfortable with. Just make sure that it, any brides that you have booked who you will be working with during that time frame. You have a communication with them prior to that announcement because if they just see you announce online that you're pregnant and they can do math, they can figure it out in their head and they'll be like, okay, so she'll be like seven months pregnant. Oh my God, what if something happens? Then they start to freak out and they kind of will really start to like reach out and, and get really nervous and they might feel... Um, they might feel a certain way that you didn't tell them and have that conversation with them first. So I would just make sure that you're having those type of conversations with people before making the announcement online. So that way you can say, hey, I have some amazing news. I'm super excited. Our family is growing. But I want to make sure that you know that you are still a priority and that you will be taken care of. At this point, here is the plan for your wedding day. Since this pregnancy means that I will be too close to my wedding date to, you know, service your wedding, so-and-so is going to step in or, you know, however, those type of things, then you have that conversation. And again, drawing back to what your policies are and what your contract says, you know, have that conversation and that communication of here's what I'm planning on. Is that okay with you? Because we have to remember, yes, it's our business, but it's also their wedding day. And it's, yes, it's our policies, but they also should be aware of how your life decisions are impacting um, their expectations for what they've paid for. So if they've signed a contract expecting you to be there and they were hiring you and now there's a potential for it to not be you, they deserve to be a part of the, the process of determining whether they're okay accepting that risk or, or not. So I would put together some type of plan or policy for if they no longer want to continue the working um, relationship because that's their right. You know, if they wanted you, then, you know, you're no longer available they should be able to say, well, okay, well, I didn't want somebody else. You know, this isn't a last minute emergency where you're suddenly sick and you have to have somebody fill in for you. That's not the same type of thing. So um, having these type of conversations is really important before you just make an announcement online. Okay, so um, before you have these conversations, these are the types of policies and plans that you should have in place when are you going to continue working till at what point will you keep signing contracts till 
um, who is part of your backup plan, at what point are you going to make the call on whether or not you are the person who's going to be providing the service, how last minute will you let things get, um, what does your doctor say about how long you should continue working, at what point are you going to make health decisions about fulfilling contracts, uh, all of these type of things, what your policies are, have all of these um, in place before you have a conversation. And then just kind of keep in your mind that some people are not going to be excited. Some people are just not going to be happy about it. It's their wedding day. This is what they were expecting. And now it's a wrench thrown in their plans. And how dare you have a baby when she's supposed to have her wedding. Some people are just like that. And you can't really avoid that. And that's kind of a situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, they're really not a dream client. They may have been a dream client under other circumstances, um, but but true dream clients are going to be a little more humanizing than that. And they're going to be like, hey, you know, this is, this is, I'm happy for you, a little disappointing, but I'm still excited and hopefully everything goes, you know, according to plan XYZ, whatever. Uh, and then there's other people who are just going to be like super freaking happy for you and super excited and kind of like there along for the ride. So um, these are just all kinds of different things that I kind of wanted to bring up because maternity leave and planning and preparing from a business standpoint is a lot of things that kind of get a little bit overlooked sometimes in the happiness and the excitement. And then the reality kind of hits when those conversations start happening of, well, what are you going to do? And then people are like, well, I don't know. I hadn't really thought that far. I just, I had sex and made a baby and it was great. You know, like, so not everybody always plans all these things before the pregnancy happens. And now they're in this situation and they're like, well, shit, now I got to figure it out. So um, if you are somebody who is in the process of trying to plan a family, I highly recommend starting to think about these things. Um, if you have the type of control over, you know, when you're planning a pregnancy for, some people are like super, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to get pregnant during these months so that I'm doing these months. Some people are like that. Um, my sister was like that. I was like that with my second one where it was like, okay, well, if we get pregnant this month and I'll have the baby during this month and everything was super planned and thankfully things kind of went according to plan. So it all worked. So, um, if you're somebody planning a family, these are types of things to kind of keep in mind. Um, you know, when would be a good time if things all go according to plan, not everything always does. Um, you might not get pregnant when you want to get pregnant. So, um, at least going into the whole process with being like, okay, this is what I'll do. It at least gives you a starting point. And then you'll find out with pregnancy and with, with life and parenthood that, you know, not everything always goes according to plan. You can't, you can't have that level of control at all times, but you can at least start the process out by like, okay, this is what the goal is. And then you can kind of let factors um, do what they will. Uh, and then it comes to actual maternity leave. Uh, if you are a solopreneur, um, that again, it's all how long you should take leave is really going to come down to, you know, your individual family and your life and your business and stuff like that. But there's still a lot of things that you can do 
while on leave or if you are on bed rest or things like that to continue to work on your business just because you can't physically be doing weddings doesn't mean that your your business has to crash and burn. It doesn't mean that you can't still continue to work on growing your business so that when you are ready to come back to work, you still have business to come back to and you still have plans. So different things that you can do on maternity leave itself is continue to build relationships, okay? Continue to work on your relationship marketing, all right? Meeting vendors and having conversations, um, doesn't have to be stuff in person. So if you listened to my episode uh, last week on styled shoots, I talk about a little bit of, you know, that in-person relationship marketing, building relationships uh, at styled shoots to grow your network. You can also do that online. You can do that through conversations in Facebook groups, um, talking with different vendors uh, in, in Instagram, on DMs or, you know, comments on their feed, things like that. You can send out emails to plan some styled shoots or to connect with different wedding planners and saying, hey, you know, uh, while I'm on maternity leave, I am, you know, putting in some additional time into making some new connections. Um, if you have brides who are looking for hair, who are looking for makeup within this time frame, here's what my availability is. Here's links to my social. Here's links to my website. Um, and you can continue to network and do those type of things because those can all be done digitally. Those don't always have to be done in person. And so if you have a crying baby in the background or a sleeping baby or you haven't showered in three days, you know, those type of things. Um that are going to happen during maternity leave, you know, that don't have to negatively impact your business. If you are somebody who does makeup lessons or sells cosmetic retail or hair retail or any of those type of things, you can go all in uh, during that maternity time frame to continue to have income rolling in. Take the few months beforehand to create a plan. And to say, okay, this is what I need coming in during the two months or three months or four months that I'm going to be on maternity leave before I get back to working in person. Here's how much I need to be making each month. Here are different ways that I can make those that don't rely on in-person services. I can plan to do a bunch of makeup lessons in the last 30 days before I go on maternity leave. Then three to four months later, towards the end of my maternity leave, people will be in the point where they may need to replace some of those cosmetics. So if you, you do makeup lessons and then you retail, say, you know, it's, it's mascara, okay? It's $20 for a mascara and you have three makeup lessons, you know, a month beforehand. Okay, that's, that's $60 potential during maternity leave of people needing to replace their mascara because it's been three months later or foundation or powder or whatnot. Or during those makeup lessons, you can say, okay, well, here are the basics that we need to get you started. We'll make that sale now. 
I'll follow up with you in 30 or 60 days to see how you're liking it and see if you want to add on the rest of the things. Maybe kind of put it together as here's your A list, here's your B list, here's your C list. Okay, get everything on your A list first because it's going to be priority and then I'll follow up with you about adding things from your B list. Once we get through your B list and then you're like, okay, no, I still want some more of this stuff. We can go on to your C list. So that way you can be following up with people and it's not like you're just contacting them and saying, hey, I'm placing an order. Do you need anything? You have a plan of here's how far down the road they're anticipating wanting these products. So you can keep a list for yourself and you can keep a copy and just be like, hey, you know, it's been three months, you know, you, you're using... Um, the skincare and the foundation, how's it working for you? Do you like it? Awesome. Um, well, how about let's add that concealer in now? Cause you weren't hundred percent sure. You didn't want to buy everything all at once. You wanted to try stuff out, but you're really liking how it works. Let's build on that. Let's, you know, finish filling out your makeup bag. And they're already giving you that permission to follow up with them at a later time. And now you have a plan for additional sales during that time. You could also maybe say, okay, I can't be doing in-person uh, makeup lessons during maternity leave, but I can do Zoom ones instead. Or if you're a hairstylist and you wanna get some additional income during maternity leave, you can start planning for some online Zoom or private Instagram lessons and updo classes or whatever and say, okay, uh, you know, I'm giving birth in June, let's say mid to late July, I'll plan for a Zoom updo class. And that way you have something to promote that is working towards additional income that does not rely on you being anywhere in person. So having a plan for the types of income that you can generate during those off months will help you from worrying and stressing and being like, okay, I'm not working right now, but I don't have any income coming in. Shit, what am I going to do? If you have that plan, you're using that whole pregnancy to map things out of when you're going to focus on different things so that it can pay dividends down the line. Or if you're the type of person who does contracts, all right, and books, and you take that 50% retainer up front, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to be booking, you know, for December dates in June so that I'm getting those 50% retainers during June when I'm in maternity leave. You can kind of plan and map things out at that point. And that way you can maybe put anybody who's inquiring about December dates to say, hey, uh, right now, I, I have a wait list for those dates that opens again in June. So that way you can kind of control when maybe that income is coming in rather than just taking everything as it hits your inbox. You can kind of push things back and be a little bit more strategic about when you're accepting um, those payments. So there's a lot of different ways that you can map out what your income is going to look like over time by focusing on different things at different points beforehand at, you know, here's what I'm working on 30 days beforehand. Here's what I'm working on 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. This, these actions right now will pay dividends one month, two months, three months, four months down the line, and you can map things out.
So that's today's episode, talking a little bit about how to prepare for maternity leave, how to set your business up for success, how to plan for income during maternity leave, um, some kind of do's and don'ts about making announcements and having conversations with your clients. Um, and then for anybody who is currently pregnant, um, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Um, make sure to tag me and show me your little baby photos because I am never having children again, but I love babies and I love baby photos. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I want to see photos of your babies. So go ahead and uh, DM me, DM me some baby photos. Even if you just recently had a baby and you want to DM me a baby photo, that would totally make my day. Or puppies. I love puppies too. Kitties, puppies, babies of all animals. I love them. Um, I don't get a chance to see them or hold them very often because like I said, not having any more of my own. So I need to get my fix from other people. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope it was helpful for you and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.